Please remain standing for the reading of the gospel, which comes from Luke chapter 3, verses 15 through 17, and continuing in verses 21 and 22. This can be found in the New Testament section of the Pew Bible on page 60. As the people were filled with expectation, and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Now when all the people were baptized and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven saying, You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Please join me in a moment of prayer. Holy Spirit, thank you. Lord, we thank you for your presence in us and among us. We thank you for your word that is about to be proclaimed. I pray that you take me out of self. Allow your Holy Spirit to minister in me and through me to my brothers and sisters. Grant us all ears to hear, hearts to receive, spirit to respond. When it's all said and done, God, may you be glorified in us and through us. Jesus' name with thanksgiving. And the people of God say together, Amen, Amen, and Amen. It's an outward sign of an inward grace. And I'm talking about our baptism. When we come to the waters of baptism, We are coming by faith. We are coming trusting and believing if we are of age that God is working in us. So my question for us this morning, do you remember your baptism? See some heads and some smiles. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, If you were an infant, if you were a child, you probably don't remember your baptism. But if you were older, a child, teenager, an adult, most likely you did. I don't remember my baptism because I was baptized as a child. And the comforting, the assuring good news about that for me is that even though my parents and godparents presented me on the day of my baptism to God, and even though they have gone on to glory, I know that the one person that remembers my baptism and will never forget it is the triune God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God knows us very well, and God remembers everything about us. 
The scripture says that, you know, that while God was forming us in our mother's womb, God knew us. It says that because God knows us, God will never leave us. God will never forsake us. So while I don't remember my baptism, what God imparted to me on that day, the new birth, the new life, the opportunity to receive that through Jesus Christ, the grace of God, that is something that God initiated with me even as an infant on that day. And God continued to work that grace in my life even when I did not know that God's grace was working in my life. I went through, because I was raised in the Catholic Church, some of you don't know that. I was raised in the Catholic Church, so I was prepared from my baptism as I grew to, to, uh, you know, to come to the, to the table and to receive the sacrament of communion. And I had to be prepared for that. And I also had to prepare, be prepared for confirmation to where I could profess my faith. I can profess what God started with me on that day that I was baptized. I can now, at that time, profess Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior for myself. Even though then I didn't fully understand what God was doing in me, but God knew, and God continued to work, even when I was disobedient, even when I was living according to the world standards and not according to, you know, the word of God. God knew, and God loved me still, and God's grace kept on working in me through all my years. God kept on using the circumstances of life, my trials, my tribulations, my disappointments, my pains, my sorrow, God used all of those things in God's grace to bring me to the place at the appointed time where I could say, oh my God, you are the living God. You are a real God. And you have been living in me by the presence and power of your spirit, even though I didn't know it. And that's what God does in us. Our baptism is a new beginning. It's a new beginning that God initiates within us. And sometimes we are aware of it. Sometimes we are not. Sometimes we come to that awareness at a later point in life. But God's desire is that we would come to the place where we come to understand the significance of our baptism. Because the significance of that baptism means that we are called to be God's beloved people upon this earth. And sometimes it might not feel like if we are God's beloved because of all that we are going through in life. But that does not deny the fact that we are God's beloved in Christ Jesus whether you came to your baptism as an infant, as a child, as a teenager or adult, uh, what God said to you in spirit on that day is that this is my beloved child. And God is saying that to us based on the salvation work of Jesus Christ. Uh, and we need to come to the place where we can accept that. 
And then trust God with all our hearts, with all our mind, with all our soul, with all our strength, with all our being. To let God transform us into the likeness of Christ. To allow God to shine God's light within us so that we may see where our strengths and our weaknesses are. And we may commit to a new beginning wherever we are at that point to following Jesus Christ. Today, I have the baptismal fund out because today, the church universal, we are remembering Jesus was baptized. Jesus, in his humanity, as a human being, presented himself for baptism. And yet everything that we know about baptism by scripture says that baptism is an outward sign of that inward grace. What is that inward grace? It is the grace of God that works within us to draw us to God's self. It is that grace that allows us to profess faith in God through Jesus Christ. It's that same grace that helps us to understand that we have a sinful nature within us, whether we want to acknowledge that or not. It's that same grace that says that only by God's grace and by God's mercy that we are able to live this life as a disciple of Jesus Christ, seeking to follow the commands and the principles of God, seeking to help the world to see that Jesus Christ's death, his resurrection was not in vain. Seeking to show the world that when we have Christ, it makes a difference. I often tell people that I am here in this place, in this time, not because of my will, but because of the will of God in Christ Jesus. God knew that long before I came to conscious understanding that this is what God wanted to do in me. And God is working in each of you. God has God's perfect will already deposited in you. But God does not force us to accept God's will. God wants us to come to that understanding through conviction of the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, and then to say to God, God, here I am, like Isaiah, send me. And it is an overwhelming task. It is a task that if you think that we could serve God in our own strength, we realize that we cannot do it. There's a humbling that has to come by the power of the Spirit within us to let us know that all that we do for God in the name of Jesus is because God is working that out within us. The scripture says in Philippians that he who began a good work in you will continue it until the end in Christ Jesus. At our baptism, God began a new work. 
began the word work of grace, perfecting us in holiness. And we are not yet perfect. As long as we have breath, as long as we have life, as long as we call in the name of Jesus, God will continue to do that perfecting work in us until we cross over from this existence into the heavenly existence. But until then, we are called to remember that God gives us new beginning every time we need it. So in the scripture, we hear that the people had great expectations. What were those, what were those expectations? Primary on the list was the expectation that God would show up in their lives and God would send a Savior. God would send the long-awaited Messiah. The people oppressed by the Roman government. The people, even the leaders, were challenged because they were seeking their own will and their own satisfaction to the expense of God's people. And God, put a desire in their heart as they waited to know that the time will come that God will show up just like God showed up when the people were in Egypt and they were being oppressed. And God sent Moses and with the power of the Holy Spirit, God was able to deliver God's people through the water. Just like the three Hebrew boys in Daniel in the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they were in the fiery furnace. Uh, God showed up in their difficult situation and God delivered them through that, that fiery furnace and they came out with not a hair sin on their body. All of these stories are there to remind us uh, that when we trust and believe in God, God will do great things in the soul that believes in God. So the people expected God to send a Messiah. For 400 years, there was no prophetic word from God for God's people, if you could imagine that. Things were quiet. People did whatever was right in their own sight. And then John raised, God raised up John the Baptist, the prophet, after 400 years. And John had a message for God's people. And the message was, prepare yourself because your Messiah is coming. His message was to repent. That you have been living your life according to your will, not according to God's will. Turn from the way that you are living and turn back to God. Turn back to God's word. Turn back to God's instructions. Acknowledge God in your heart. See what God will do. He also told them, I baptize you with water, which was the symbol of the cleansing that God does. It was the outward, outward side of that sign of that cleansing, but it was the cleansing, the foreshadowing of what God would do in Christ Jesus when he came upon the scene. And the scripture also tells us that at the appointed time, Jesus, God in human flesh, presented 
himself to John to to be baptized. Why did Jesus need to be baptized? He was without sin. Why did he need to be baptized? Why did he present himself to be baptized? Because it was the, the beginning of something new that God was about to do. It was also to let the people know and to see somewhere down the road that God loves them so much that God was willing to identify with their sufferings and their sorrows and their sins. Jesus said, let it be so. Let it be fulfilled according to the word that was written. He came as a sinless human, identifying with us, humanity. Have you ever wondered, people often say, that God knows what you're feeling. God knows your, your pain, your trials, your tribulation. God knows. We often say that a lot. How do you think God knows that? God knows that because God was Jesus in human flesh, identifying with humanity. So God could say, I know what you're going through. I know your fear. I know your struggle. And yet, I am with you. I understand when you say, you make a promise that you want to do this and you want to do that and you fall short of that. I understand that your heart has good intentions, but your flesh is. I understand when you say, I'm going to commit myself to serving Christ more and more in this new year. And then things happen. You get distracted. Fall into self-will. He says, I understand. Because I bore all of your sins upon myself. And I bore all of those sins with my grace. Knowing that I love you so much that I was willing to die for you. So in Jesus' baptism, he began the ministry of revealing God to humanity. He began his ministry of letting the world know that there's only one Savior, and that Savior is Jesus Christ. He began his ministry to let us know that any time we fall short of God's grace, we have that grace already available to us to have a new beginning. I know that this body of mine is the temple of the living Lord because Christ lives within me. And I know that I try really hard at times to be to eat healthy, to exercise right. And sometimes I do that well, and sometimes I fall short. So last year I had this great goal that I was going to be committed to being healthier, right? And I was doing that fairly well, not good. And then when I got sick, November into December, I stopped going to the gym. And my body started to let me know that um, something was not right. I need to get back into that routine of exercising 
and eating healthy so that uh, this temple where God lives within, I will be able to do the, the things that God desires to do in me. So I kept on praying and asking God for strength to do that because, you know, once you start going back into comfortable things, it gets nice, it feels nice, and you don't feel like you want to go back to where you are. So last week, <clears throat> after much prayer, and I always to justify, well, God, you know, my lungs are not 100% yet. I'm still coughing, God. Still taking this inhaler, God. If I go to the gym, what will that do for me? But I heard God say, trust me. So I started back one day. Started back two days. Yeah. Started having all the coughing and everything like that. But I kept on saying, I trust God. You live within me. So the third day, I made it through. And yes, Saturday I was coughing up a storm. Had to take some medicine. But you know, I started to feel better physically. I started to feel my strength in my physical body. And I started to feel something else inside of me. A reminder that God who lives within me can give me a new beginning, a new start, even though I have fallen short of that. So what am I saying to us today in this new year? Oh, this is irritating. What I am saying in this new year is simply this. We start a new year. I don't know if you made any promises to God, any resolutions in this year. But I do know that as a child of God, as a baptized child of God, God looks at you through, through Jesus Christ. And God says, you have new beginnings Anytime you need it because of my grace that works with you. So whatever it is that you need to do in this new year, know that when you call upon the name of Jesus, who identify with you and you identify with him in your baptism, God can give you strength, God can give you grace, God can give you mercy to start anew. And especially if what you want to do is to glorify God, I want you to know without a shadow of a doubt that God will move everything out of the way that is in your life to allow you to glorify God because you are God's beloved. He loves you dearly. And he has called you by name in this new so we give God thanks, and we give God praise. We give God glory, and we profess this amen. Like I told you all at the beginning, y'all were kind of low on that amen. Well, let me tell you, when you say amen, what you are doing is that you are agreeing with God in the moment that God is working. Just like God works in your baptism. So don't be hesitant to say the amen to God, because the amen is a profession of your faith, that saying, even though I may not be where I need to be, but with God, I can trust that God will carry me there. Amen? Let us pray. Almighty God, thank you. Thank you for the moment. Thank you for your presence. Thank you, God, for our baptism and the promise 
in that baptism, God, that we can start over any time when we call upon the name of Jesus. Thank you, God, for what you are doing in us. Thank you what you will continue to do in us throughout this year. And thank you for the ways that you will use us, God, to glorify you. It's in Jesus' name we pray with thanksgiving. And the people of God say together, amen, amen, and amen.